Welcome to A Matter of Music. I'm Don Wisner Johnson. And I'm Beth Wisner Jansen. And we are here to provide a unique space for musicians to gather um, tools, ideas, and education to help master this crazy business of music. Welcome today. Um, we're going to be talking about an overview of how royalties began, copyright, all of these things. Beth loves this kind of stuff. She's been studying it. <laughs> I've been in, in, yeah, I've been in Google uh, nightmare and joy. So, yeah. And I will tell you this, before she even studied it, she already knew most of it, but she's probably just getting all the dates and things like that in, in place. But I want to say that um, this is very important because it, as with many subjects and things that we do in the world, it's good to know the history of why things are as they are. Because if you know the history, then you can understand a bit more why things are happening the way they are. So royalties, copyright, digital, um, the technology that we have that's starting now with all of the music, all of the platforms coming up. It's just, it's a crazy world. That's why I say it is. Right now, we're kind of in the wild, wild west. We've said that a few times. So Beth's going to give you an overview of, of kind of the history of this. It's, it's going to be fun. I, I'm, I'm excited that you're here today because it, you're going you're gonna to get more excited get than I am. <laughs> get some good information. So. Okay, first I'm going to tell you, though, we do have uh, some class, a class coming up. Please go check out our website, amatterofmusic.com, and go to the classes page to see the class that's coming up. Um, we have some information there on the syllabus and how much it costs. It's not as expensive as a lot of other classes, and you get two teachers. Not one, but two. So there you go. We'll go into depth, in much more into depth in our classes because we'll have extra time, and we'll also be able to answer your questions. So... And our classes will be small and it almost like we're just guiding you through some things. And so we're doing that on purpose so that, and I will be listening to some of your music if you want some feedback. Um, I've worked in the music supervision world for quite a while and I'm excited to do that and help you figure out how to get syncs and different things like that. So um, we're excited to, to start those as well. So please check out a matter of music.com. Okay, so go to the classes page. The, sorry, Don. The history of where to get paid and why you get paid. Why do you get paid for when you do a song? Okay, so basically, um, copyright is not, you know, it's not a thing that just was established uh, when hum humans started walking around. It wasn't like, you know, I created that painting on the wall and that's mine. That, that wasn't a concept. It kind of evolved as things began to evolve. When the printing press came, came along in, I believe it was the late 16th century, uh, the Gutenberg Bible around 1650, something like that. Um, suddenly, instead of having to copy, you know, music note for note by hand, people were able to print those things. And the father of modern music printing, his name is Octavi Octaviano, Petrucci. I'm assuming he's Italian. So, um, so he started printing some music and I'm assuming selling it because before I think they were just using, you know, writing down music so that they could use it at different churches. Was he printing his own music? No, I think he was printing was other people's music. So he probably invested oh. in a, you know, he started, he start, he was the father of, they call him the modern father of modern music printing so he wasn't just printing his own I'm sure he was probably trying to make a living at it to pay for his printing press 
So that was in the 16th century. Um, Mozart, you know, is in there. And if you think about Mozart, how did Mozart get paid? You know, that's not something, if you've watched the movie Amadeus, you know, he had patrons, the king was one. People would pay him to write something. Um, you know, artists, that's what they did back then. Um, painters, musicians, they would have somebody commission a work from them, or they would have somebody keep them on staff, you know, or have the Vatican ask you to paint a ceiling, things like that. So um, that's how artists got paid. So they had patrons. Um, around uh, 1893, the sheet music had become one of the main things. There was also, um, there was also in there uh, the, what do they call the rolls on pianos, piano rolls? Clear piano rolls. Clear piano rolls. Yeah. <laughs> those came along and those were, you know, where they would have the little metal thing with the holes in it and, or the paper that would scroll through and it would play the piano uh, with the holes in it. Kind of the first uh, synthesizer, digital synthesizer, really, if you think about it, it's pretty cool. But so, so those things could be sold. Um, and I'm thinking a lot of people didn't get paid their royalties for those kinds of things. But in 1893, um, the sheet music for the song After the Ball, you know that song, Dawn? After the ball no. over, da, da 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 You don't know that song? Oh, got it, got it. Song. Yeah. We still know it today. Okay, so that sold, sorry about my singing. She's a singer. I'm not. That sold one million copies in one year. And over the next 10 years, it sold 10 million copies. That kind of blows my mind that sheet music would sell 10 million copies in 10 years. But that song was huge. That was a blockbuster song, you know? If there were charts, that would have been the number one song for a long time. So what they would do is somebody would write a song, they would print it up, they would sell it, people would go to, go play it at home, they would go, um, you know, little bands would play it at dances and different things, and that's how people who were writing music were making, because there wasn't anything else. There were player pianos, there wasn't anything else. So along comes phonographs. Records were in the, about the 1880s. Um, you can go Google who had actually invented the phonograph. As with the light bulb and a lot of other things, it's more than one person really. Um, but Edison gets the credit for that mostly. So the phonograph comes along and then you have mechanicals along with the printing. So mechanicals, publishing, all these things start to come into play. Copyright law in America starting to try to catch up and about 1909, uh, they pass a law um, regarding paying, you know, uh, songwriters to make sure they get paid. Nobody does it. Everybody ignores it. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And um, in 1914, ASCAP is born, the Association of Songwriters, Composer Composers, Artists, and Publishers. So ASCAP came along to try to enforce and collect those royalties. Um, they, you know, so they've been around for 106 years. It's a little bit crazy when you think about it. So they were collecting on sheet music, on live performances, I guess, on records. And then radio was also born in the 1920s. So now there's another place for ASCAP to go collect. Think about that. Radio wasn't really a big thing until when ASCAP was born. So ASCAP was born to collect royalties on sheet music and live performances, huh, because radio really, you know, wasn't the thing. So, um, so back then, so they started collecting um, writers and publishers for that as well. And then 1930s, sound is married to film. And, you know, I'm assuming before that, all the stuff that was played in, you know, in um, 
films that were silent films, I'm assuming that they collected royalties for those as well. But now mm -hmm. film is married and now you've got sync. There's a sync license. So every time there's a new technology, there's expanded copyright and publishing and royalties. Every time something new comes along and when something new comes along, they don't go to songwriters in Congress and go, hey, how are we gonna pay the songwriters for this? That never happens. It's always the dog chasing the tail. So, you know, some new technology comes along and that's what happens. Television comes along in the 1950s. And now here's another something to go collect on. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of those things at the very beginning were, you know, if they have a show, they paid somebody to write the music for it. But they were performing variety shows and performing people's music. Who has to figure out how those things get paid? Congress, ASCAP, you know, by this point, ASCAP is under Congress's control. It's called a consent decree. That's a whole other subject. Um, so Congress is involved in determining how much some of these rates are. Can you, can you uh, this isn't part of your, your spiel today, but um, the cons consent decree, did that start right when ASCAP did, do you think, or that was that started around the 1950s, 40s and 50s, oh. and that was ASCAP and BM. I think at the, about the same time, ASCAP and BMI getting in trouble. I want to, I think I want to say maybe it was the 40s, them getting okay. in trouble for not paying certain. Um, everybody's heard pay to play and how radio used to be. You kind of had to pay to get on the radio. There was a yeah. lot of things going on to keep certain segments of the artists off of the radio and so they fought back like they should have done wow. and all of these you know when you think about song when you think about some of the songs from rock and roll a lot of those songs were taken straight out of you know the black culture they were just hey elvis is going to record this song and he has a huge hit with it the guy that wrote it never had a huge hit with it well one of the reasons was because they were keeping those songs off the radio and so one, wow. of the reasons, one of the reasons the consent decree came along was because there was that they were, there was a mess there where people were paying to play, getting kickbacks, all that kind of stuff. Record labels, ASCAP, radio stations, all of them were, you know, they weren't playing, it wasn't exactly a level playing field. So Congress got involved to say, you know, you can't, and then here comes Motown and, you know, there you go. So, you know. You have to correct things as they go because people will take advantage always. They always will, especially if there's yeah. money involved. Sucks. Right. That's true. Huh. So, yeah, the consent decree, from what I remember, it's been a while since I've read about it, but that's what I remember. Okay. They got in trouble for for doing some unsavory things. So, I see. Okay. Okay, so then comes eight-track tapes, uh, then cassette tapes with cassette recorders, and the industry goes a little nuts because they're like, no, you can do like we all did when we were kids. Before I knew what I was doing was illegal. When I was a teenager, you people that are over 40, or maybe over 50, you'll remember you would sit by. I remember going to church and hitting record on the record thing when we lived in the Philippines and recording uh, Casey Kasem's Top 40 and letting it record I had a I had a recorder that would flip the you know flip the direction of the record that was my birthday present when I was 14 wow. so that I could get yeah so that I could get longer while we were going to church cuz a lot of the times the song I wanted wasn't in the first, you know wasn't in the top 20 you were already finding the technological yeah. things <laughs> that did something that you needed I wow. was like this no is what that does. 
60 minute tape is not long enough. Then they have the 90 minute tapes. I'm like, still not long enough. I need, you know, we're going, you know. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't then it, know that. Yeah. And it also had, I also had, I have to have two cassette decks. Huh? <laughs> I was just going to say, Beth and I are sisters, and I've never heard her tell this before. Well, I just, I don't, I'm just coming back to me as I'm thinking about it. I had, I had that, which would reverse it and then record the other way. So it had two record, record heads, and then wow. it had two decks. So then I could take the one tape and make my own little mixtape off of the songs on the radio that I wanted. Yeah. So wow. that's, you know, I lived in the Philippines. I would buy records in the Philippines, but I don't think anybody in the, I don't think the songwriters ever got their money off of those anyways at that that time. That was, it's gotten a lot yeah. better, I'm sure. But anyway, so those- By the way, those, hold on. I'm going to jump over and, and close the door and we oh, can either end it or we can just keep I'm, going. I'm just going to keep talking. Okay, so um, when, the, when that came along, they knew people like me were going to go in and record off of the radio and record other uh, cassettes and different things and make copies. So they tried to stop these new, this new media coming along. And, uh, you know, you can't stop technology, even though companies have tried many times to stop new technologies. Um, so what they did was they compromised and they uh, gave a little tiny fee off of every blank cassette, then CD, then I don't know if it's on like a USB drive, but it's on, uh, there's a fee attached when you buy a stereo in your car. Mine, I found out the other day I can push pause when I'm listening to the radio. I can rewind a little bit. Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? <laughs> I know. It was a very exciting moment in my life when I figured that Wait, out. Wait, does that make that completely streaming? That's, that's terrestrial radio I can do that on. And I can't do it on all terrestrial radio, but some of them I can. The talk huh. radio that I listen to, I can do that. So, Interesting. So that's... Um, so that's a fee attached that goes to the PROs. So that's just one of the, you know, every time, my point is, every time there's a new technology, there's new money, there's new places to collect it, and you're probably not getting all of yours. Because I don't even think, you know, I, I, I doubt that like Paul McCartney's getting every penny he's owed and he's got money and big time. So he's got big time people working out for him. So, okay, so, as I want to, I want to just tell a little story here too. You mentioned the Philippines. I'm going to mention Malaysia because I remember that was where I got into music and I had vinyls, but cassettes came along and they started and these little places would pop up in Malaysia of, of all these, um, they were copying the vinyls and That's selling right. them very cheap. And that's the first time I remember what you just said, thinking, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> is this, they shouldn't be doing that. And I knew it was wrong. And I knew uh, the record store I went to, you know, I loved it. It was, I had just gotten into Chicago, you know, in the mid seventies and I bought all their records and I would go in that record store and it was just like a kid in a candy store. Just, I just like to look at them. I didn't buy many. I didn't have a ton of money, but, um, but then I would see on the street, these people all had the cassette and we had a cassette player in our van and, you know, we'd buy some of those sometimes. And then I just think about it. Like, this can't okay. be right. This, right. Yeah. It's not okay. I used to wonder I in the Philippines why you could buy a, why you could buy a cassette for like, you know, a buck. Right. That was like, you know, eight bucks in the States or seven bucks at the time. Yeah. You remember the place up in the Philippines, uh, when we go up into Baguio, there was a place on the old base that had that too. 
where you could go make a cassette. You could go pick songs off of all those, you know. Like a jukebox kind of a thing, but you could record it. Well, you would go Was through it? the stacks. You would go through the stacks and you would hand them and you would say, I want to, you know, track six on this oh, Commodore's yeah. record. And I want, you know, I remember making those records. Like I couldn't afford that yeah. stuff, you know, but yeah, he, we didn't realize it when we were kids, but you did they still were like that. That was the military base. So they were doing that for the. Yeah. 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 They were doing that. And I think there, there was a charge, you know, and I seem to remember somebody saying like, oh yeah, we have the right to do this. Like we're paying them, pay, you know, whatever. But uh, it seems, cause it was a U.S. base. So hopefully they were paying yeah. for that. I don't know. Okay. So the point of all of this is as technology comes along, Every time there's a new way to buy or listen to music, it splinters. The, the way you get paid, where you get paid, how much you get paid, splinters. And so we're back, you know, I like I started with Mozart and the Patreon, we're back to Patreon because artists aren't making enough money. Now there is, um, I, like I said, I've read a lot of articles this past week. And one of the articles, um, one, one place said between, they estimate between 20 and 50% of royalties end up in a black box and never make it to who they're supposed to get to. Another one said up to, they think up to 70. I think that's, might be exaggerated, but I could see that that might be possible. Considering. I, yes. I know that this can be true because we have chased royalties so many times for some of our television guys that write for TV. And I've, if you start looking into it, you start finding all kinds of errors. And excuse me if anybody there's human ASCAP BMI on. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It just does, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's not malicious. It's just, it's untenable the way that it's been going. We'll get to how things are changing and hopefully getting better as we go through this podcast and we talk about the MMA. Um, but one of the articles I read uh, was from a company, a quote from a company called Cobalt, and they go, um, they don't take any of your publishing, which is pretty cool. They take, I think, 10 or 15% of it, um, and they go after all of the streams. Now, this is getting interesting because I just read on BMI the other, yesterday, BMI says, hey, if you get paid for something somewhere else, then we're not going to pay you for that, because Don and I were discussing how if you have hire a company to go do your ad, admin administration and they go collect something and then that gets reported and collected through BMI, it's kind of, you know, that's why we say it's the wild, wild west. You know, you might actually get paid twice for something. Oops. But you you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. I don't know how that all works right now. Cobalt will go and they've got, you know, some big artists. I think you can join as well. Um, just go check out the terms and um, see what they can do for you if you've got a lot of music out there. Um, one of their artists, they wouldn't say who, they, they had a huge song. And this one year Cobalt uh, went and looked for, added up all the places that they could collect. And that means like um, one of their, their, for instance, was there was a, a CD or, or something with the song at a workout place. And this was CD was, you know, given to gyms in this one country in Sweden, I think it was, um, for, you know, the workout thing. And it was played 2,400 times. They collected eight bucks. That's one place to collect. That's one stream royalty avenue. They had 900,000 on one song. Almost a million places to collect eight bucks 
10 bucks, 100 bucks, 900,000. I had to read it. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's one of the big boys. That's one of the big things, right? That's a hit song. That's somebody that's on the charts, probably a number one hit, you know, probably re recorded by a bunch of people, you know. So who knows if there's sync things in there as well? You know, there's probably a lot of different uh, avenues. Obviously, there's a lot of different avenues, 900,000, but there's a lot of different uh, types of licensing going on as well. So, yeah. with that said, it's a frustrating place. If you, there's 900,000 places, and sometimes it can take years to collect your money from a little town in South America or some little country in, you know, in Europe, it has to go through a different PRO and then it has to go through. It's, it's just, it's kind of crazy because every country has their own, their own collection ag agencies and stuff. Okay. So, okay. So let's, <laughs> that's the history of like, yeah. <laughs> holy crap what kind of mess are we in that's why we're in a mess hmm. technology keeps going and we are chasing it we're not ahead of it we've never been ahead of it we're always going to be chasing it and we might think that this is it we got digital streaming we got the something's coming people something's coming i don't know what it is but something's coming and it's who know you know if you think about it let me know because i'd like to invest in your company okay so let me just go through really quickly um getting paid there's let me just go over some terms so that when we start talking about these you know what they are there's uh four four different kinds of licensing uh, royalty streams really basically there's mechanical royalties there's performance royalties synchronization royalties and print royalties is that it don is there one more i think there's a couple more but those are the main ones so mechanical is going to have some breakouts in it performance is going to have a bunch of different kinds of breakouts in it because there's tons of different performance royalties. So that's when it starts, you know, it just kind of starts to feather off and get into the, you know, different avenues. Um, so to understand, so there's four basic four streams there, and then they branch off. Um, you to need to understand, you need to understand a little bit about copywriting and publishing, and we will be doing more um, podcasts on copyright and publishing probably quite a few of them. We'll be doing more, cop more uh, podcasts on how to get paid because we're going to need to get into some of these specifically, some of these companies and some of these avenues. But basically, there's four different people that can collect from those four different royalties. They don't all collect them, but we'll get into that in a minute. They are the songwriter, the publisher, the label, which has the master recording, and the artist. So those four get married to the four royalty streams and it's kind of a mishmash. If you look online for, if you just go look for royalty graphics or publishing graphics, good luck because they, it looks like spaghetti, a lot of them. And these are people trying to explain how it works. They're put time into yeah. it. So it can get very confusing. Well, so let's go um, over these four kinds again. You've got okay. the artist, you've got the songwriter. Let's start with songwriter. You've got the songwriter. So song, that's the song, the music and the lyrics. Then you've got the artist. So say the artist is somebody different than the songwriter. So there, there's, there's. You the could be all four. You could be all four. Yeah. Of depending that's on, true. depending on how you work. But you might be one, two, three, or four of them. Right. You might be. And many independent artists are all four of these. But I just want to go over okay. those real quick because it's going really fast. So the songwriter has you know copyright on music. the they have the copyright on the lyrics and the notes the melody and now some, sometimes with the courts we're getting into 
the groove, <laughs> the bass line. We're getting into the weeds, but basically copyright is on the melody and the lyrics. Okay, Don. Right. Then there's the artist. Have the artist. There's an artist that records it. Um, what's a big one uh, that they always bring up? It's um, Whitney Houston and Dolly Parton. Uh, oh, Dolly yeah. Parton wrote the song. Dolly Parton wrote the song. I will always and love you. I will always love you. And it, I always hear people bringing that one up because that's a good example. Dolly Parton wrote it. So that is her composition. Whitney Houston recorded it and she is the artist. So on a song like that, the artist is going to get some good payment um, because it's a multi-million dollar song and it's still going on. Um, but that's just an example of, of a song that um, everybody would say, oh, that's Whitney Houston. But, you know, Dolly Parton's composition. And so. Dolly Parton wrote it first. It was a country song. She did. She did. And yeah. I would, who made more money? Dolly. <laughs> Dolly's made a lot Dolly of money on songs. She's a good so songwriter. Songwriter, yeah. Yeah, songwriters. If you are a songwriter, keep working at it. Please. And then, okay. and then, Randy Thomas and Bob Carlo made a buttload of money on one of her albums because they wrote a song for her that she that Dolly recorded. And why'd you come in here looking like that? That's a great title. Friends of ours that yeah, we we got to get them on here. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, that would be fun. Um, so I was songwriter, uh, artist, publisher. Uh, Sure. So that um, that lyric and um, melody are, is split into two. So that they call that two halves. You know, there's two halves. There's the recording, and then there's the the composition. And that uh, composition, the lyrics and the um, music melody, are split into two. It's equally split. So the songwriter or songwriters and the publisher or publishers split it. So if the songwriter has a record deal or has a publishing deal, then that publisher will get that 50% um, of that song. If you don't have a label or a publisher, like a publishing deal, you are the publisher. If you write a song, you are by de facto the publisher. So good to know, you have two things there. This is why if you're an independent artist, when you need to look into publishing and make sure that you are following all of the streams as a publisher, we'll get into that on another podcast as well. But let me just, but, let me just tell you, the songwriters got one or two streams, the publishers got a ton of streams. Yes, they do. Way more streams than the songwriter. They get paid for a lot more. A lot more. And right. they are also the one that's in control more of if that can be synced and things like that. So Right. You just need to understand the publishing has the power and the money, really. Right. Publishing true. And then there's the label. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Is the real estate. Publishing is the real estate in, in music. Yeah. Last one, Beth. Last one is the label. I say the label. There's not that many labels left. I think there's like three record labels left. <laughs> Big ones. Um, but whoever owns the master recording, there's a lot of little labels out there too. So you might have a, a deal with a record company and they pay for you to go in the studio and record your, your album. They're probably going to own the master recording. You might own part of it. Depends on what your deal is. Make sure you uh, get an attorney to look at that to know if you own part of that master recording because the master recording has its own royalty streams. And when you do a sync or something like that, the publisher has a say, but the person who owns the master recording also has a say. So that master recording is valuable. Now, other people can make a master recording of your song after you've released it. So if you release an album and it's available for somebody to buy or download or stream, 
then somebody else can come along, pay you a little bit of your fee for songwriting and re-record it. They own the master that they record. They still don't own your composition. You're still the songwriter, you're still the publisher or whoever that is, but they do own the master recording if they paid to have the little fee. So just be aware, there's four things and there's, they just start breaking off into where do I get my money? Anything mm -hmm. else, Dawn? No, I just wanted to go over those a little more in depth. Okay, so. thank you. Um, um, mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, I got so many notes. I got so many notes to go over. <laughs> okay, one of the things we didn't talk about, let me just go through a few um, things here. Other, mention other places. Spotify, digital streaming. When we talk about how many royalty streams there are and how they're broken down into these little streams, Spotify is a good example because Spotify has, I think, four um, standard ways to pay somebody for a stream, ways to pay the songwriter for the stream. So um, they have, if there's a, somebody listens to Spotify and they have an account with Spotify and they pay Spotify a monthly fee, right? So they have a, uh, an account there. Hmm. That's one thing, but it's broken up into two. Did you go and request that song or did you just put on one of the radio stations and it happened to pop up? Two different royalty streams. If you don't have an account with them and you were just listening to their free site, the same applies with two different royalty streams. If you request the song or if it just happened to play, that's in every country that Spotify is in. They're pretty mm. much almost all of them. So that's just Spotify alone has thousands of royalty streams available. So, um, and those, those, how much you get paid on Spotify, Pandora, all those things, it's always a moving target. It depends on how much money they make. There's not a set fee. If you, if you want to re-record somebody's song um, and do a mechanical license for them and put it on a CD or um, put it on download, you know, for download, you have to pay 9.1 cents for that, for each one that you're selling. There's no such thing for, uh, for streaming. It's not a set rate with all of these. And these are the things that um, we'll talk about the Music Modernization Act in a minute trying to kind of solidify all of this, but it's basically based on how much uh, income and how much uh, advertising that entity has. It's always been that way with um, radio, with TV. It, it's negotiated based on how much money they're making. So they'll pay a couple percent to all of the songwriters they're gonna use over a year. So, so they're basically sharing a percentage of their profits. Yeah, and you're sharing it with all of the other artists as well artists and, and right. writers and is, is every artist getting the same amount whether they're independent or large artist on spotify or on yeah any, yeah <laughs> I, from what sometimes I they're not sometimes yeah. they're not because they're so basically they're trying to they've got millions and millions and millions of plays and you would think you know it's digital you can keep track of that but what they're doing is they're doing um amalgamated is that the right word where they're aggregated they're taking all of the information that they're getting how many plays did this song get that song get how much are we paying out for this quarter how much mm -hmm. did we get an in income because they're they don't know how much they're going to get an in income from advertising from um from subscriptions things like that it varies people cancel their subscriptions new people come along so when they get to the end of the quarter, they say, this is how many plays we had. This is how much money we have. We're going to split. We're going to take 30%. We're going to give 70 to the, 
to, you know, for royalties. And then they start figuring out who to pay those to. The way I understand it is it's the big boys that get the money. I think it's a percentage broken down. Um, one of, okay, so there's a lot of places where if you're an independent artist, you're just not going to ever get paid. You might, you know, you, those royalties are collected, but it's not collected in the way that you might think. So if your song is played on the radio, on terrestrial radio, they do not make a tick on a little, you know, Excel sheet and say, we owe half a penny to BMI. Mm. They have already in advance negotiated with BMI beginning before the year and said, we're going to make this much money. We're going to give you 1.5% of our ad revenue. And they do that with ASCAP, CSAC, BMI. Uh, coffee shops, places like that that play music, they have to pay for a license. They do kind of the same thing. There's all these places that BMI, CSAC, ASCAP collects money. So then they figure out how, what songs were played the most and they don't necessarily pay every person. If you, if you get played on the radio once, you're not going to get half a penny. You're just not. That's sad to <laughs> okay. say. Now, if you get us, if you get on television, it's almost, and that's where Don and I, you know, know a little bit more because that's the world we've worked in more. You're going to get paid for that. There's a cue sheet. They're going to say, this song was played for 30 seconds on this show in prime time on the network. That's a very specific, depending on which PRO you're with, you, they all have different calculators for that, but they know how much that pays. They have an algorithm and it goes in there and bam, a thing pops out. It doesn't matter if you've never, if that's the only song you've ever recorded, you've never been on anything else. If that song plays, you get paid the same that anybody else would get paid. If it's a Paul McCartney okay. song, he gets the same. Okay. Now, upfront sync fee, he might have negotiated a massive amount upfront, but on the back end, you're going to get the same. On radio, it's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. On all of these other platforms, it's not necessarily true because yeah. there, there's a lot of places, and it's, it's not the same across the board. Everything's different. There's a lot of places where they will, at the end of the year, say, hey, we had, you know, TBS, which is played on cable, but it's not, you know, it's not a, if they want to, I think there's like some off US places that it's shown. So we're going to give you money on the back end and we're going to give that to you. They're not collecting cue sheets again and looking down and they're just going to collect that big, big chunk of money. And when they get a big chunk of money like that, it doesn't go to every single person that got played. Mm. And that's in television. In radio, it's even worse. It does not go to the top people. If you go see, uh, I don't, I can't even think of a band. If you go see Toto, which you can't go see Toto anymore, well, it's a whole other story right there. If you go see Toto at the Greek, you pay for your ticket and the venue, I don't know, is it the venue or the artist that pays the fee, Don? To the PR? For the, for the um, set list. It's the, ven the venue. The venue. So the venue pays um, for how many songs were performed. They give a set list. They, you know, actually give a set list to the PROs and the PROs collect that fee. Now at the end of the year, all of the, and, and little venues too, not just big venues, little tiny venues. So if you go to a club where there's 50 people, that club has to pay. They have to pay this fee, which comes pretty much out of the pockets of the artist. So the artist, even if they were playing their own music, they will write their set list down and that gets sent to the PROs. At the end of the year, the PROs add up all of that money. They look at all of the set lists, they see what the most played songs are. 
So if you do a cover of a song, that's gonna be added in there. If you do your own, that's added in there. But if you're not a big artist, it pretty much doesn't get up to the level it needs to be because they only pay the top 300 artists. That's, I believe BMI does that. So there's a lot of these places where you're gonna, you know, you don't even know you're paying this fee. And so you don't even feel it. The venue feels it. And Madonna feels it when she cashes her check, you know, or somebody that's more popular now than Madonna. I'm that old, okay? <laughs> always my thing. I don't want Madonna to have my money. She got enough money. Okay, so anyways, that's, that's kind of in the weeds. But just know, every type of license and every type of vehicle for music being played and used, how it gets paid, where it gets paid, who it goes to, ends up in the hands of, is different. It's all different and it's all a moving target and it's all changing. And one of the reasons is because as these technologies are added, they have to quickly figure out because, you know, Spotify comes along and they don't ask permission. Really. They don't make big deals with these companies at the beginning. They just kind of, you know, do a Napster and start doing things and then they get in trouble. TikTok. And then they TikTok, TikTok, TikTok is an example, <laughs> TikTok, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, all of these are not paying <laughs> what they should be paying. And it's difficult. I will give them a little bit of credit. It is difficult, almost impossible for them to keep track of all of those songs and who that money belongs to. So every time that happens, there's a negotiation um, to figure out how are we going to pay and who are we going to pay and who's going to end up getting the royalties. So that doesn't mean there's not money out there for you if you're a smaller artist. There is. So let's, you have anything to say, Don, while I look at my notes? Um... Money out. Yes, money. I do want to encourage the smaller artists. We do have places that you can sign up that will pay you for certain things. As Beth mentioned, the one I know that pays the best is Sync on network television. So um, that is what we've been chasing over the years. But there are others. Um, there are other ways to get paid. Um, producers and engineers, um, we've talked about this if you're producing for somebody that ends up having a bigger record, there's ways for you to find other money. So um, even if it's 5% of it, you know, for the life of the song, if it ends up going somewhere, Beth can tell you some of the things her husband worked on. Sometimes they never knew if that song was going to go anywhere. My husband, a lot recorded, of my husband recorded a song in Nashville in 19, Christmas of 1995. I think it was. Yeah in a car in a converted carport he mixed it in a converted garage and it went double platinum he called it he called me on the phone and we're like this is the best song it was it was uh uh what's butterfly kisses bob carlisle yeah it, I thought it was huge. <laughs> huge it went huge it didn't go huge when it was first released interestingly enough that's a whole other story um the record company so if the laws had been in place then that are in place now well now if you're a producer or let's just say what it is if you're a producer if you're an engineer you need a letter of direction this was not a thing when my husband was doing this in the 90s he knew now producers would get points so if you're producing um a band especially if they're signed to a label you're going to negotiate in your fee as a producer how many points you're going to get so points are based on the sale price of when we say like you get 9.1 cent per copy of a CD. That's for one song on the CD. Mm -hmm. So if there's four songwriters, they split that 9.1 cents. That, those or are the points. points. Those are percentages of, 
of the sale of the record or the CD or the digital download. So um, at, if you're a producer, you have to negotiate those points, but you also now want to get a letter of direction because one place that, again, there's new things coming up in technology, but there are also new laws coming up and new places where you can go collect royalties from songs 20, 30, 40 years ago. And one of them is the AFM SAG-AFTRA. I'm not going to say all the letters. It's too many letters. It's AFM SAG-AFTRA Fund. Just go Google that. And they pay for non-featured artists or non-featured what do they, do they call them artists? Non-featured artists? I'm not sure exactly. It, okay, so they will play, they will pay the session players and they will pay the, if there's a letter of direction, they will play the producer and the engineer. They will yeah. definitely pay the players um, and it's 5% of the artist uh, royalty, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like much, but you're talking about a lot of session players back in the 80s and 90s who would pay, play on a couple hundred albums a year, some, some of these guys, or a couple hundred songs a year. Um, and so those guys can be collecting, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. If there's eight guys that played on a, you know, Steely Dan album, each of those guys can collect a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. It all adds up. Pennies add up. So check out the SAG-AFTRA, the AFM SAG-AFTRA fund, and go register. They do have a list on there where you can go see if, you, if your name's on there. And if Isn't your name's on the sound exchange as well, sound through sound, uh, or is it the Harry Fox agency? Sorry. Yes. Okay. So, so there's, there's three places that you might not have heard of. You need to go register sound exchange because they're going to collect mm-hmm. some of these little fees as well. They're collecting on digital royalties. Digit, right. That's right. part of the other problem is, some yeah. of these are on broadcast. Some yeah. of these are on digital downloads. Digital streams is different. That's collected at a different place. And if you ask me right now, which place is which, I don't know. I can't remember. There's too many of them. Okay. Yeah. That's why when she goes, which one? I'm like, I don't know. I know. I know. I'm looking at my notes right here. Uh, Harry have- Fox mechanical what? licensing and yeah. For okay. which though? Mechanical licensing for what? Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's all very confusing. And we, now mind you, we have tried, we do this for a living. We've done this for 30 plus years each. And we just spent a week trying to figure out all of this and we're still a little bit confused. It's not because we're stupid. It's because it's very confusing. So just- Things are changing all the time. Things are changing all the time. And more and more companies, like I said, are coming up and more and more of these funds that the the government and these, everything we're talking about, by the way, it's pretty much US-based. Okay. Mm-hmm. Spotify's everywhere. You know, all your royalties are going to be everywhere, but in your country, if you're not in the United States, it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to have to kind of go figure this out. There's probably in your country, not as many of these places to go because the government in the United States likes to make lots of little places to do things and fix things. And then there's just more places to go. So SAG after was started, you know, by the union with the help of the government, I believe. Sound Exchange, same thing, right, Don? I believe so. Yes. Harry Fox is now messed up with the MLC, which is the music. Help me. Licensing Cooperative. Licensing Collective. Collective. Music licensing collective. Okay. So, which tells you they're going to be helping everyone collect. Right. 
So as you go along, you do, okay, I'm going to say it again. AFMSAGAfterFun.org. Go on there and register there. Just do it. Just do it. Don't, don't question me. Just do it. Okay. I'm like your mother telling you, just go register there. If you have music out there, if you've sold songs, if you, whatever, just go register your stuff. Soundexchange.com. Does sound yeah. exchange cost? Yeah. I have a question. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned the other day to me that I was in a band in the eighties and I'm going to say the name cause she keeps saying, I don't say it. Crumbacher. We were a techno, we were a Christian techno band. We had four albums. We had number one singles. We toured for many years. But Beth, you said the other day that they will not pay me anything, even though the I say The AFM sag after? No. Yes. No. Okay. I will, full disclosure, Dawn interviewed there and they offered her a job and she ended up taking a job somewhere else. I interviewed yes. there. They didn't like me apparently because they didn't offer me a job. Um, but while I was interviewing there, I was asking them some questions because I was very curious. So you're going back and what they did back in the early 2000s, they started going through um, all of the records that were big records. So they would, I don't remember how deep they went. I don't remember if it was the top 100, top 200 albums. If they, yeah. they were going off of charts and things like that. So they were basically, they would go find a song or an album that was, you know, had a lot of plays, had a lot of income for it. And they would mm. go back and try to figure out who played on these records. Now, if you know anything about the record industry back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, by the time the 80s comes along, you can see session players listed. Back in the 70s, back in the 60s, you had, what's the name of the group, Don? The... Wrecking Crew. If you haven't watched that documentary, please go watch it. The Wrecking Crew was coming, was going from studio to studio every day, recording everything. Musician. Musician, yeah. So, you know, you have the Monkees record, they're recording on that one day. They're going and recording on the Beach Boys another day. You know, that's not the Beach Boys playing all that music. That's session players. Although, I must say, Beth is right. Go watch this thing. Glenn Campbell was in the Wrecking Crew. Um, there's many large artists that came out of there, but they were literally being paid, like Beth said, to just go record for all these. They were, albums. they were the, yeah, they were, and it, it was a big, and they basically were wrecking the industry. That's why they called it. You guys just wrecked the whole thing. You just come in and, you know, nobody was playing on their records at that point because mm. the record companies, studio time was expensive and the record companies realized we could go in and re- get these guys to record the whole thing. It'll sound better then some of these guys that are writing songs we want to record, but maybe they're not the best players in the world, you know? Mm. And as I always say, the Beatles weren't the best players in the world. They were the best songwriters in the world, you know? Thank God that the Wrecking Crew didn't, you know, wasn't around when the Beatles were recording because who knows what those would sound like. They did amazing stuff, you know? But they did the Carpenters, they did, you know, but they weren't also, they weren't getting credited on all of this stuff. So the record companies wanted it both ways. They wanted to pay these guys, hurry in the studio, make it sound great, get out, and we're going to make it look like the band's this good, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the bands, a lot of them weren't that good, but you had some of the best players in the world in the Wrecking Crew. So that, that went through, I think, up until the late 70s, maybe, um, when yeah. the Toto guys started coming along, you know, and uh, Steely Dan wanted you to see who was on their records, you know? Look at these, you know, here's Bernard Purdy on this one or Carl on that one. So the SAG After Fund started going through and having to try to figure out 
And this was why it was such a cool job at the beginning. I'm sure, Don, I, I wish I would have told you to take that job. <laughs> they were going and contacting all these players and all these people and all these, you know, people that were around trying to figure out who played on what song so that they could then list them, collect these fees and give them a little bit of, of change, a little bit of money. So some of them, they a lot of them they found and they've gone, I think they're up into the 2000s now. Hmm. Might be farther than that, but they are not paying everything ever recorded or everything ever on the radio, which was my conversation with the woman who interviewed me. Cause I found my brother, I thought on there. I found Jimmy Wizard and I was like, my brother, you owe my brother money. And she goes, let me look. And she looked it up. She goes, 1946 or something like that. I'm like, well, that, that's not my brother. It was some dude. So our brother was also in Crumbacher, our band. So he was the drummer. And so we, we were both, we both sang on things. We played on our records. Um, you know, we, we were all over those records, but for us, we're not, we're probably not going to see money. No, but, and I was under the impression when I went into interview that they were going to pay absolutely everybody that ever, and I understand yeah. <laughs> that's a hard task when it's just the top 100. So, right. but there might be money there for you. There's no reason yeah. not to go look. I have found a lot of my friends on there and emailed them and said, go register. You got money. I did this with one of my friends for about three years, about every six months I would email him. And then one day I see on one of his social media, he goes, Hey, if you haven't registered with the AFM SAG after, I go do it. And I'm like, you doofus. Don't listen to me. Yeah. Anyways, you know who you are. Okay. So go, go check it out. There's a list of people they're looking for. So if they haven't sent you money, they, they're, you might still be getting some if you've, you know, done some session work on some stuff. Um, and they will list your name and then it says, contact us. And you can, you know, they just might not have your address. They don't want to send it to the wrong person. Like mm -hmm. my brother. So there you go. Okay, soundexchange.com. You want to go register there as well. You also want to register at Harry Fox Agency, and that is harryfox.com. Um, Harry Fox is working with a new entity called the Music Licensing Collective, right? Did I get Mechan that right? <laughs> mechanical licensing, mechanical. Licensing mechanical. Collective. Is it mechanical? <laughs> I don't know. It's MLC, but it's not MLC.com. It's the MLC.com. So they are still getting up to speed. Um, I wouldn't suggest you go there quite yet. You could go look at it and, and figure out what they're doing and try to keep going back about once a month. Um, I haven't been able to get through their system yet. Um, I think they're still creating it so that you can go register. And if you have, if you're a bigger artist and you have, um, you know, somebody that's doing your publishing, they can go in as a publisher and do it from that side as well. Yeah. They are working with um, the MLC and Harry Fox. Uh, Harry Fox is, yeah. Harry Fox is working with their huge catalog. They have about, I think 80% of um, licensable material is at Harry Fox in one way or another. So if you need a mechanical license, you can go there. So they have a huge database and that's the MLC is starting with that database because the MLC is basically going to try to figure out how to get all of this digital in one place. So everybody knows who should get paid for what. This is why 
we're all hopeful the MLC is going to do their job and I, I'm trying to stay hopeful. Okay, the modern, it came out of what's called the Modern um, Music Modernization Act of 2018. And that was uh, publishers, songwriters, Spotify, everybody kind of going and saying, we need some help here. We need something to make this easy and a one-stop place where, you know, there's no reason in this world that's digital that there shouldn't be a place where you can go look up who the songwriter was, who the publisher is, and every where. Song, every, every song, every publisher. Yeah, right. it so should all be the, in place. Right, so that's what they're trying to do, and Harry Fox has a lot of that information already. So it's gonna take them a while to get up to speed. We are hopeful that these, all of these little places you have to chase your music uh, royalties is gonna start to get a little bit easier. Um, I don't know how long that's gonna take or how it's gonna look. They don't know probably, but they're working on it. And they've got songwriters and publishers working together so that it doesn't get weighted one way or another. So. Yeah. Can I say one more thing about Harry Fox agency? I just um, realized recently that Lyric Find is a, um, a company that when you sign up for Harry Fox, you can opt in. It might cost you a little bit. I'm not sure on the upfront, and then they're going to possibly take a percentage. What Lyric Find is doing, and they've been around for quite a few years, but they are tracking lyric um, clicks all over the world. There are five million lyric searches for lyrics on Google every day. Five so million. Lyric Find is actually you get also you, you get paid. That's that's you know if somebody displays your lyric on their website and they have ads on that website that's a if they you know that can be a copyright infringement right it basically is so what they say is hey pay me so right. it's starting it's one of those things that people were doing it nobody was getting paid somebody made some noise god bless him yeah. and now things are starting to get paid sorry don't go ahead so anytime somebody googles your music or whatever you know it's just going to be and this is one thing they said in the in the webinar i was listening to on lyric find is that they're actually paying better than a spotify stream per click so i, I was like whoa we got to do we got to get people doing this so we'll we'll do more on this on in another at another time we'll go into it a bit more deeply about what you need to register there, how you need to do this and all of those things. But I wanted to mention that just so you know that even your lyrics can pay you something. So, so yeah, even if you, even if you're not sure if you, you know, have anything income from somewhere at Harry Fox or whatever, go register, put your, yep. put your thumbs up because you don't know what's going to happen in, you know, say you do get a sync or somebody records one of your songs if you're not, if you don't have your ducks in a row, because sometimes that can happen pretty fast, and yep. then you don't have time to go register everywhere to put up your own lyric videos or whatever, you know, you want to get all of this stuff ready to go. You want to be registered everywhere and have your music ready and have all of your kind of your marketing type things, you know, ready to go as well. So that if that happens for you, you're ready to go. Yep, exactly. Okay. So the other place we haven't really mentioned is PROs. If you don't know what a PRO is, it's a performing rights organization. We kind of just glossed over, we didn't even talk about them yet when we're talking about collecting stuff, but PROs, there's four of them. There's BMI.com, ASCAP.com, CSAC.com, and Don G M R. I always get the lyric, I always get the letters mixed up. GMR. 
don't go, you can go look at GMR, but you have to be invited to join them. And I think CSEC, CSEC still? Um, it's you still an invite. It's, it's not hard to get in, but. If you know people that yeah. are CSEC songwriters, I think you can get somebody to kind of vouch for you. Right. Um, you want to go register at these, uh, one of these PROs. You can be a songwriter at only one of them. Um, if you are a music publisher working with a lot of song, a lot of different songwriters, you're going to probably be registered at all of them as a publisher. It's free yeah. to register as a songwriter. Some of them charge a little bit to register as a publisher. Um, BMI, they are starting to allow you, if you haven't registered as a publisher, I think they're attaching the publishing to you as a songwriter, assuming that that's what it is under your name if you haven't registered as a publisher. So yeah. that's kind of something that's changed a little bit. So go register to PRO, Performing Rights Organization. They collect money. Don, tell us how they collect money and where it's from. The money um, from the PROs is from SYNC um, or... Uh, Some streaming. Some streaming. Um, Hulu and Network are there now. Uh, Hulu and Netflix are there now. Um, but it, yeah, there's there's many ways that the PROs collect. They even collect, as Beth was saying a while ago, um, they collect on live events. Um, there's all kinds of um, streams and and uh, performance is basically what it's on when your music. I have a little list here. I found it. Sorry. Oh, you did? I totally put you on the spot. No, it's she, okay. Like froze a little bit. Ah, okay. They, they will collect from TV, radio, compulsory license fees, satellite radio, live concerts, commercial music services, which is like in a store or restaurant, you get in an elevator, you hear a song, you're walking through, you know, Target, you hear a song. Uh, some of those are um, companies that put together uh, CDs and things. Those are licensed through there. Airlines, theme parks, sports venues, little places like that. And they are starting to do some collecting on streaming, which means that there's just one more place you can sign up to get streams, which is why I think BMI put on their website, if you're collecting money over there from this, don't let us pay you, please tell us. Because there's companies coming up who are starting to collect. Um, and sh let's name some of those. Okay. Um, Song Trust. Songtrust.com. Yes, and they will, by the way, um, I've signed up there and, and worked with them quite a bit. So they they actually talk to BMI and tell let them know, it, here's an artist, we're registering for them, um, we're going to collect for them. So, you know, some of these companies, BMI, they're, they're, they're working hand in hand. My only fear so, with that is that something gets dropped in the middle, you know what I mean? Yes. This is what concerns me. This is, this is why. I don't know what you mean. I've seen it. I see it every week. Yeah. <laughs> I it every week. Why didn't we get paid for that? Oh, because we thought so-and-so was collecting and they didn't. Right. Yeah. Right. This could be a problem. So yeah. I don't know. Did you, yeah. If you know you got played on something, you know, if you know you're on the charts in Spain, go make sure you're getting paid in Spain. Yes. And it can and take a couple of years, but. Yeah, let me say something about the PROs. They have reps, and if you sign up with them, sometimes you'll have a rep right away that's working with you. There's, I've, I've met, at BMI for sure, I've met a couple of amazing reps just in recent months 
one I've known for the over a decade um, that will go to bat for you. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Paul McCartney or if you're Don releasing a song. <laughs> they they are concerned. And I didn't, I was, it used to not be that way as much, but I think they're realizing there is competition well, we now. To, they have know? to compete. They are, they are, ASCAP and BMI are considered nonprofits. Mm -hmm. But they do have to pay everybody. They have to pay their songwriters, their publishers, and they have to pay their staff to go do all of this work. So they are right. competing with all these companies. All these companies are coming in because there was a vacuum. Because, again, things changed so fast that things weren't being collected and everybody was just chasing the ball. So a lot of these companies came in and they, you know, are able, as a new company, maybe to get some, some funding from Silicon Valley or investors or something, write a better program and start from scratch. Sometimes that might be easier. So, yeah. you know, hopefully all of this gets centralized and the MLC can kind of figure out how to aggregate this so that, you know, maybe they have a way that BMI and Song Trust can work together and see what's going on in the it, digitally. So they make sure that somebody does get paid. Okay, the next one is, how do you say that, Don? Audium? Oh, yeah. A I, don't know, I don't know about some of these, but... Oh, you don't, okay. Um, yeah. I'm just going to tell that. I don't know if that one, we don't really know much about that one. Music a report. Yeah. A-U-D-I-A-M. There's, there's a few that I listed. Um, music reports is more, it's kind of there for publishers, but I think you can sign up there if you're even a small, you know, uh, you have your small indie artist, you have a few songs. You need to check that one out. Maybe, um, Cobalt. AWOL, Beth, Beth mentioned this before. I think they're doing some amazing things there. So is it, you have it written down here, Don, in your notes is A-W-O-L and then A-W-A-L. Is it A-W-A-L? Oops. A-W-A-L.com. <laughs> we think. Yeah. Okay. okay. But if you yeah. Google search Cobalt, AWOL, yeah. you yeah. can find them and they're, yeah. And then there's also, so there's music distributors as well. Now these are companies that will help you get your music um, if you want to do a CD, you can still do that. If you want to put it up on Apple Music, if you want to put it up on all these other platforms, they will go out and do this for you so you don't have to hit every single one. Man, this yeah. is much better than it was 15 years ago. Remember when really we could get on Apple Music, when I couldn't get on iTunes? You had to know somebody. Yes, it's very true. These will all do that for you. Many of them do way more than that if you want them to. The fees aren't that much. It's really... I feel it's worth it. Some of them are 20 a year or something. I don't know. They will, they will work to collect for you because that's collecting for themselves too. Yes. So. Even cover songs. They'll help you. Some of these have on, on the, their websites that they will help you get the licenses for the covers too. So, yeah. you know, I know. So check some of those out. CD Baby, DistroKid, TuneCore, Cobalt again is okay. doing that kind of thing. DistroKid so. is D-I-S-T-R-O. KID.com. Yes. I haven't checked this one out personally, but that's the one I hear the most lately as far as it's a newer one. And I think they're doing a lot for people. So just real kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, we've gone through a lot, Beth. Are yeah, we? but we still haven't hit one thing. Tell me. I have all these crazy notes and there's like minutia in here and someday <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to post okay. it so everybody can look at them. But one more thing is neighboring rights. Don, you know a little bit more about this. So there, I'm going to go into the boring, uh, nerdy part. There, back in the, when was the Berne Convention? 60s? 50s? 
70, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. The entire world came together and said, we're going to sign this big thing and we're all going to, you know, make sure that we all, you know, uh, keep each other's copyright safe and we're going to, whatever your copyright laws are, we're going to abide by them. But there's, you know, there's some weird stuff in there. So European copyright is definitely different than U.S. copyright. It's not as long because Disney um, is in the U.S. So, you know, it's 70 years after the last writer's death at this point. Um, so Europe was like, no, we don't want the copyright to be that long. But Europe also has something they push, which is called moral rights, which is the right of the artist to be always linked to that work so that you can't um, take their name off of it. You can't change it without, you know, getting their permission. So there's, you know, it's a little bit different. The United States did not sign the Berne Convention for years and years. And we did sign it recently, I think in the last 15 years, 20 years, but I don't know that we've signed it fully. We've kind of signed onto it, but still. Because of that, when um, everybody else in the world signed that thing, they were saying, we're gonna pay you for, you know, if we play your song in Spain and you're from the UK, we're gonna pay you your royalties. Well, the US didn't wanna sign that because the US sucks in some ways. And um, they weren't gonna pay the Beatles, you know, the artist royalty on uh, the radio. They were paying the publisher. And I think very recently in the last 10 years, they started paying the writer. They weren't even paying them up till then. But the artist doesn't get paid when it goes on the radio in the US. Think about that. The artist, the artist or anybody playing or singing or doing anything on a record. The artist does not get paid when they have a number one song playing every half an hour on terrestrial radio. In the United States. In the United States. And the reason that is, is because the United States refused to pay foreign neighboring rights and sign on to the Berne Convention. So they couldn't pay anybody because they couldn't pay their own. So they didn't pay anybody. So that's still around. So you can go now, it's starting to crack and neighboring rights are collecting some of your royalties in countries where you don't have a PRO representing you. There are PROs in all of these countries, but you have to figure out how to go get those neighboring rights. Anything to say on that, Don? <laughs> yes. Um, I have notes somewhere, but I don't have them with me, so I'm not going to tell you countries. There are specific countries that you can sign up in and get paid if you do have music over there. I, I'll say, here's one way. If your music is on a TV show and you are singing, you, you did that recording and you are the artist, and it plays in a, a country that will pay, will pay neighboring rights to a U.S. if you sign up to a U.S. person. All you have to have is your um, ISRC code and you go sign up at that, in that country, at their uh, company and every time that gets replayed, you get a payment. That I know is happening. So I, I can't give you the specifics right now, but I, we will in the future. And, I and um, these, com these companies we've been talking about, they're going to start to do that for you. Yes. Because yes. you don't want to go. There's 165 countries that the United Nations, right. or 105 that the United right Nations. Right now, <laughs> also, there are specific neighboring rights companies that just do this outside of the U.S. There's international companies. There's one in Canada. Um, they're, they're all over the place and they will do just for people. Okay. Um, can we put that somewhere, Don? If you, if you are listening to us on a podcast, we also have this on, um, our YouTube channel. 
So we'll put some of these in the notes. So if you're looking for that information, um, yeah. go look on our YouTube channel. We'll get you to watch this thing twice, right? There you go. Right. So, <laughs> and like and subscribe while you're there. Or since we're kind of at the end, let me say we are a matter of music.com. And we told you at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. We're doing classes and one of them pretty soon will be on all of this. We'll be helping you make sure you're getting registered, doing everything, you know, following all the streams where you, where you can do this and we'll walk you through that. We'll help you understand how that's going to work for you. Copyright. Publishing. We'll have it all typed out in the class and sent to you with yeah. all of the specifics that I can't get to you exactly. over audio. And just like in our music sync class where we, our goal is that you will get a music sync. If you come to our class, I want to, I want to go over your songs with you. I want to tell you, you know, this one could work, but it needs to be produced this way. Let's, let's even down to, can we get a female singer <laughs> for this one? It might work better. Those kinds of things. But um, we want you to succeed as you, uh, as we try to help you understand the business. We also want you to succeed. So the same will be for this type of class coming up. So and just yeah, follow us on our yeah. A matter of music. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say we, we've got copyright. We've got publishing. We've got where to get paid. We're not exactly sure what that class is going to look like, but if you're interested, please go to our website and email us and let us know on the, on the communication form, what you're interested in learning about and go, going more in depth because we are looking at this and there's so much information and we really want to get people the information that they're really looking for that would really help them in their furthering their career. So if you can contact us there through, you know, through our website, we're not going to send you a bunch of emails. We never sell anything. We're way too small for any of that. So just uh, contact us on our website and let us know what you're interested in learning more of. Yes. That would be helpful. Please do that. And please subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. And if you're listening at a podcast area, please download if you can. Um, just because it, it works in our favor um, that people are listening. So just get um, listeners. We, yes, we appreciate you guys so much. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm tired. Done bad. I'm tired. I know. <laughs> Beth has been talking a while. So we appreciate her knowledge today. And um, we appreciate you tuning in. And we hope that you'll tune in next time at A Matter of Music.